Art Pop Talk is excited to announce that the presenting sponsor of this podcast is Zencaster. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process quick and painless, the way it should be. So you guys have heard me talk about that when I edit our episodes, I always want it to be the best listening experience for you all. You know that I am obsessed with sound quality. I make it a top priority and Zencaster provides amazing sound quality and HD video. Not only does it make the editing process literally so easy for me, it is the most user-friendly platform that we've used to record. Gianna and I have been using Zencaster even before they became a sponsor of this podcast because it is so accessible and that is what APT is all about. And it is the easiest platform for all of our guests to join as well. There is nothing to download. They just click the link that I send them and we get recording with no issues. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-productions in the tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. We want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. So if you go to zencaster.com pricing and enter promo code artpoptalk0, you'll get 30% off your first three months. Zencaster.com, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com slash pricing, promo code artpoptalk0. It is time to share your story. Hello, hello, and welcome to Art Pop Talk. I'm Gianna. And I'm Bianca. Today, we are joined by two very best friends of APT, Sammy Lucas and Audrey Kaminsky. We're following up on our She's Not Well episode from a few weeks ago and talking about the highs and lows of a life not lived solely for the arts. What does it mean to love art and still live with it, even if it's not your primary source of income? You guys are in for such a treat. Audrey and Sammy are my personal life coach experts. So today there is no chitty chatty. We are just going straight into our conversation with these two very fine women. Let's art pop talk. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Art Pop Talk. We are here with the lovely Audrey Kaminsky and Sammy Lucas, best friends of APT. Thank you so much for being here with us today, ladies, and welcome back to the show, Audrey. How you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, I love being here with you guys. (laughs) You seem nervous. I am. I don't know what to expect. (laughs) You just have 10 questions here that I don't know what you're going to be throwing at me. They're fun. They're going to be great. It's, they're not all super scary. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. And we have a first timer, Miss Sammy. Who also seems very nervous. (laughs) What's going on, guys? Both of our guests, we have like unprepared, we have underprepared them for today's episode. Listen, I do my best work under pressure, so. (laughs) It's like you've never written a paper more than 24 hours before the deadline. Yeah, exactly like that. Just now it's now it's a verbal paper, you know. (laughs) 
I always felt like that was the key, like fundamental difference between you and me, Sammy, because in college you would always make fun of me because I'd be stressing out about writing a paper like two weeks in advance and you'd be like, bitch, like you're fine. Like calm down. Like just do it the night before like me. Especially if we're talking like two weeks in advance, I wouldn't even know that we had a paper due. So (laughs) you ever one of those people who shows up on the day of and is like, we have a test today. Like, it wasn't that bad. It would be like it would be like the week of, and I'd be like, "Oh, we have a test this week." <laughs> but I wasn't like showing up. To, I will say, okay, the only time in my life that that has ever happened to me was when I took the GRE when I like knew that I was going to go to grad school. And I will say, I you know had never had any intention of like looking up what the GRE was. I just knew I had to take it. Um, so I did, I just paid my enrollment fee and then went and showed up to the test to take the test. I will say I did show up and I didn't know that there was math on the test and three (laughs) out of six sections are math. So, however, I did great. Again, I do my best work under pressure. So worked out, but that's unreal. All right. Well, you have sufficiently made your neighborhood friendly people pleaser, Gianna Martucci Fink, very anxious as well, (laughs) because that is not how I fly. But um, enough about me, though, because we are here to get to know you guys. And we wanted to start our episode today with rapid fire questions, Phoebe Bousset style, um, and you have to answer them as fast as you can. Does that sound okay? I guess so. I guess so. The beginning. Well, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> What's written in the document for today? <laughs> What's written in the document stays in the must day. Well, Audrey, we're going to we're going to go with you first and you're going to answer all my questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Enthusiastic yes this time. <laughs> Can we get Josh to play some like do 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 like music oh, like in the, the Mario Kart theme yeah. song like Rainbow Road style? Yes, you know, like Road really. Style. <laughs> All right, Audrey, question number one. On a scale of Sean Kingston to Natasha Bedingfield, how are you doing today? Good. I would say <laughs> let's go with Natasha Bedingfield, end of that um, uh, spectrum. Okay. What does that question mean? Well, like, it's, ra- it's rapid fire, no thinking. Rapid fire, no you thinking. Gotta, are you, you like shorty on. fire burning on the dance floor or are you like, is, oh is the rest of your day still unwritten? My therapist brain went to like when he was suicidal because the beautiful girl wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't oh know. What that Wait, I actually do really. I like that song though because of that scene in Gossip Girl where like Serena and Blair like having that whole best friends photo shoot. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's I, a good one. I know exactly. So that what you're actually talking could about. be beautiful girl. Could be a vibe. That beautiful might be girl. Vibe today. I will accept beautiful girl. That photo shoot was iconic. Absolutely. Um, okay, Audrey, what do you love more, ice cream or Pop-Tarts? Ice cream. What shows are you watching right now? New Girl, Rewatch, always. Um, actually, Constant. we're watching a lot of Saturday Night Live right now. Like a, a lot of compilations, like a lot of like past episodes and have really been liking that. Um, Audrey, where is your happy place? I mean, immediate goes to Kansas City just because I'm thinking about moving there. Yeah, I'll go with that. Kin City. That's my happy place. <laughs> oh, good. Well, speaking of Kansas City, and like you just said, you are moving soon. So I want to know what exactly is in your donation box currently? Okay, actually, you guys would be proud of me because I actually just did. I donate a little bit at a time. So I don't like I'm not, you know, uh, piling up a big one right now. But I did just get rid of a lot of clothes. 
I took like several boxes to Goodwill and I tried to send one into ThreadUp to see if they'll buy anything from me. I'm 100% sure I'll get nothing. (laughs) I feel like we always all do those things though. Like they really get you. They really make you think they're going to give you money for your clothes. They never do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Audrey, what was the last piece of art you made? Oh no. Um, (laughs) As far as like visual art, um, I did do some printmaking last summer um, that's around here. I probably haven't sewed anything since like January and yeah, but I'll go with the last time I've done printmaking was last summer. Audrey, what is your favorite work of art in your collection currently? Ooh, like in my house or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you have that you own. That is a good one. But shoot, because of the pressure, I'm not going to be able to. But Gianna, you know this artist too. Okay. You know that lamp that I have in my, that's like the copper with the copper bulb that's on the side. It's like, okay, David Phelps is kind of friends. You know her through him. Yeah. Beatrice Mayorka. Yes. I have a lamp by her that I got in an Allied Arts Artini auction, I think, a couple years ago. Um, And I just adore it. It's like a wooden little table lamp with like copper like piping and like a copper bulb on the side it's like uh it's like one of my favorite pieces I love it love some good functional art she's like so cool her work is so like clever and functional and she does a lot of public art yeah her work is dope um Audrey this is my last question for you where is your vibrator do you know where it is currently guys we still don't know (laughs) I still have not found it I like (laughs) honestly this maybe this is a good writing prompt is like what happened to the story of the missing vibrator. It kind of is that like an appropriate like, like, veggie oh trails God, vibes? Really? Like, where is my hairbrush? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, where is my vibrator? Sort of like some sort of like contest of like who comes up with the most creative story like gets free merch. Oh, oh my God! Like, what did happen to the vibrator? Like, send in your thoughts and. So, Audrey, do you want to give? Do you want to give the little backstory? So, two weeks ago, I was looking for my vibrator. Couldn't find it in any of the usual spots. Usually I clean it after it's used. It goes back to the underwear drawer, like literally two other spots, like in my entire house, in the bathroom. It's not very many places that this thing can walk off to, or at least I thought. But um, no, I have looked absolutely everywhere. Um, I have looked under the bed. I've like used the flashlight. I've looked like in between like where the mattress kind of backs up to the bed frame. Like if it like got like, you know, <laughs> wedged in, like I have used a flashlight. I don't no uh, when I got to the point where I was like kind of trying to use my flashlight in the bedroom trash can that's when I knew what is my what is my life come to right now do you think it got put in like a donation box Jesus Christ I hope not or the just context of that situation is going to be really interesting because it's like will you find it when you're packing or like will you find it when you're moving when like potentially Charlie's friends and your parents are helping you move because (laughs) it's really a gamble it, that that could very well happen. Yeah. Like I can very easily see a future in which that's happening to me. So we'll keep us posted. Definitely have to keep you posted there. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Well, Audrey answered all of my questions. Thank you for being such a good sport. Um, you know what? I always wanted APT to be like, you know, a wannabe murderino podcast. So this will give us like a good chance to get like some good like mystery stories in to the podcast. <laughs> just about the vibrator. (laughs) I'm glad we did that at the beginning. So we got it out of the way. (laughs) 
Miss Sammy, it's your turn. Are you ready? I am as ready as I will be. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. Um, what is your favorite work of art? I feel like that is such a complicated question, but like that I own right now, the first thing that came to my mind since Audrey answered that question is I ordered some prints from like this artist I found on TikTok that's like a trans printmaker and he he exclusively makes cowboy themed art. Yeah. And so it's this print that has like this really cute cowboy face in the middle with like, I don't know, these Western symbols and whatever. And it just says, is that a boy or a girl? And then on the bottom it says, ma'am, that's a cowboy. So Ooh. that's my current favorite one I own. You'll have to send that to us and then we can like highlight yes. it on our Instagram. Yes. Okay. Who is your biggest celebrity crush? Oh God, that's so hard. There's so many. Let's see. Dua Lipa, Doja Cat. Um, that's on brand. I'll keep those too. <laughs> we'll stop there. Yeah. Okay. Would you go to space with Pete Davidson and Jeff Bezos? No. <laughs> What is your favorite fruit? Probably pears. Ooh, that's a good one. I like pear. I feel like just for pears. Like, yeah, agreed. Agreed. They're very overlooked as a fruit. Um, if you could live in a 2000s rom-com, what movie would you live in? Woof. Um, 2000s rom-com. Like early 2000s we're talking? Just 2000s. Okay. Well, that's hard. Maybe the holiday, but I'd want to live in England I'd be the one that lived in England I'd be the one that lived in England (laughs) you'd be the Kate Winslet or would you be the Cameron Diaz who moved to England with Jude Law oh yeah well Kate Winslet ends up with Jack Black so I want to be Cameron Diaz (laughs) no no offense to Jack Black great guy I'm sure I just personally would rather have like the cutie British man with the curls on the top and sweet little girls with the accents Oh yeah, that that seemed that makes sense for yes. sure. If you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? My God, you ask such hard questions. I know. Oh, I'm panicking. <laughs> I don't know. I guess something something. My top two artists are always Phoebe Bridgers and Doja Cat. So probably something by either of them, or maybe if I if they did like a mashup situation. Okay. I, think, I feel like there's potential for like that to be decent. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go for a. That way you get your sad girl, but you also get your hot girl. Crossover. Yeah. Sad girl, hot girl. Gotta hit all the marks. Um, What is your go to coffee order? Um, uh, Just an Americano, black. Perfect. What do you get off the two for 25 chilies menu? Listen. Hmm. Well, we love a good two for 25. Probably some of those like Southwestern egg rolls. Oh, and I don't know a taco. I'm I love a taco and a taco. Okay, I like the uh, the queso and the uh, what are they? The little chicken tenders. Oh, from Chili's. Okay, That's balance. Final question: What role would you play in an Ocean's Eight style Met Gala heist? Listen. <laughs> I'm still not fine after texting you that the other day. I'm sorry, but can we just talk about, like, before I even answer this question, you're talking about this and it's bringing it up for me. Rihanna is everything to me in general, as we know. But, like, specifically, I was telling Katie, 
I was like the scene, the scene, the, this movie, I felt like I might, I was the closest I've ever felt to like congestive heart failure in my entire life. And it was the first time I watched this movie and it's a scene with Rihanna just walking into the Met Gala and all, and Katie was like, well, what's she doing? I said, oh, she's just wearing a red dress. That's all. Like, I just felt like I was going to die and throw up all at the same time. But anyway, um, what was the question? I got really sidetracked about Rihanna in this dress. That's okay. What role would you play in the Ocean's 8 style Met Gala heist? Oh. It could be a role that's not in the movie too. I mean, my social skills, I feel like, are relatively good, especially under pressure. So I feel like I would be the distraction. Okay. You know, like that that would be my role would be to like, Talk like to whoever I needed to talk to. Style, you know, she's like distracting people with her little games, but you know. Yeah. Or like the scene where Sandra Bullock is like, you know, speaking in German, trying to yeah. distract all the security guards. I feel yeah. like I would be good under pressure. In this oh, situation. yeah. I can see that. I can mm-hmm. definitely see that. Like a little social butterfly. Yes. You know? yes. Yeah. Okay. Or like the Anne Hathaway. Actually, like, maybe I'm the Anne Hathaway of yeah, the whole who's thing. Like now the that celebrity, I'm but then it. she like, you know, she joins Dark Side. And because she just like gets to be extra as fuck the whole movie. And that's oh yeah. Really you mean you I don't mean. think you're Kate Blanchett like diluting bottles of vodka like in the back of a club? <laughs> no, I feel like I, I honestly would not be smart enough to even come up with that's that. That's what I was gonna say. I feel like that takes that takes planning ahead so much. And as we previously previously explored in this episode, I am not one to plan very far ahead. So I like it. I like it. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. If you know us, one, you know that your two Italian co-hosts come from a wine-loving and wine-making family. And two, you know that making smart financial decisions, especially for women, is really important to how we think about money on this podcast. I was amazed at how easy it was to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. Getting into investing or growing your portfolio can be intimidating when you're new to the game. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years, with 10.6% annualized returns, proving that the returns can be as robust as your favorite red. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to zen.ai slash artpoptalk to receive two months of fee-free investing. Be sure to mention that artpoptalk is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. Thank you guys for playing our little our little game. Um, we just wanted to uh, have the listeners get to know you guys a little bit, a little bit better. Um, but the main reason that we asked you here today, I mean, we just like to talk to you guys about life in general. And if we're talking about life, you two are the people that are the best at not only giving advice, but just working through a lot of life issues with. And I feel like we've all gone on kind of 
a similar path and trajectory and just navigating those obstacles. You guys just always help me kind of like clear my mind and work through all that kind of stuff. So we got a lot of responses from the She's Not Well episode that we had a few weeks back. And based on the feedback that we received from our listeners and the discussion that we had, it just seemed like it really resonated with a lot of people. And we kind of knew that going in, the topic was something that we personally feel is very under-discussed at large within the art world, but also, you know, amongst just kind of regular work culture um, and this kind of great resignation that we're seeing. Like part of the discussion that's missing is that transition period. We thought you guys would be the perfect people to bring on these life navigating experts. And we wanted to create a little bit more nuance and really talk about kind of life post art or what that looks like or how art can still remain a part of your life, even if you're going in a different kind of work path than you originally thought. So Audrey, I wanted to start with you because you have been on the podcast before and um, last we heard from you, you were working for an arts nonprofit in Oklahoma City. So can you talk a little bit about what you're doing now and how that transition took place for you and how did you come to the decision to look for something outside of a traditional arts workplace? So yeah, so I work for a marketing agency now and I am in a client services role. So basically I keep up relationships with a lot of clients. I'm on meetings with them all day. And then we have a lot of like internal production team members who are experts in different areas. They might be experts at social media or um, digital ads or blogging or kind of all these different things. So my role is about like knowing the client well enough to know how all of these different tactics work and how they kind of work together. And then being a relationship manager and team leader kind of at the end of the day, um, which is a really good fit for me. I'm, I was surprised, uh, you know, kind of as it was unfolding, how much I was liking it and how much I'm continuing to like it. Because I think, I don't know, I'm just a person who has, people have encouraged me in the arts like my whole life. So that's, I don't know. I actually kind of maybe have the reverse problem where I thought like, and people have always encouraged me, arts, 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 arts. Like I never really considered that like there's other ways I can be satisfied in a career that's not in an arts um, way. And I'm really learning a lot there, um, both about marketing, but also like, you know, I'm sitting in meetings with like leaders of a lot of different businesses every day. It's interesting to observe like how different teams are run and how different businesses are run. And really when I was like starting to come to the end of my previous job and I was starting to feel like I had learned all that I could learn. And that does not mean I was perfect at my job. Like by no means does that mean I was perfect at my job. Even up until the last event I did, there were plenty of things that went wrong and I still could have kept learning, I guess, if you're defining that as like being perfect at something. But what I was starting to kind of think, you know, as I was considering, hey, have I learned enough here? Is it time to move on? Is that like, there's going to be like special perks and, and maybe challenges in any job um, and anywhere that you're at. But if you can know like, okay, which of those perks are what I really need right now in my current lifestyle and which of those like challenges on the challenges side, like, are they genuinely deterring me from like at my previous job, I was starting to like not be able to go to sleep, you know, and kind of have these other, those types of challenges are just like genuinely hurting me. But there's also challenges in which like, it's actually teaching you something in the long run. Like I would say, 
when I made the decision to switch, you know, the perk that I was looking for was I needed like a ticket to Kansas City. You know, the agency that I'm currently working for was up there. That's where I was trying to move. Um, I wanted to learn some different things. And maybe it was, I knew it was going to be a challenge. Like, okay, this is the first major non-arts role that I've taken. But like that to me is a challenge that's going to teach me something. That may be hard. There might be days where I'm kind of lonely, like nobody else, you know, kind of gets this artist nonprofit perspective that I'm coming from. But to me, that's worth it because I'm going to learn something from it in the long run, you know, and I'm not losing sleep at night. Those are all, there's never a perfect setup, but like, I guess this one is just more suited to where my life is right now. That's kind of how I'd answer that. Yeah, no, I think that actually reminds maybe Gianna and I of a conversation that we had the other day um, and Gianna and I were just talking about, you know, me transitioning out of the museum space and into something different. And it's not necessarily about all of a sudden you're just going to make this happen. Like you're just going to follow these steps and, you know, everyone always says, oh, something will like come about. And, and that is all well and good. And, and that might be true, but making the decision to do something. So this is the lifestyle that I want. I want to be in Kansas City. I'm just going to decide to either look for remote places or places of work based out of Kansas City or like this is the type of lifestyle that I want to live. So I'm going to make the decision to look at whatever salaries in this given range. And that's something that, you know, when I was going through the job process, obviously in the in my previous role, we talked about this with salary transparency. I was making $40,000 a year and that just wasn't enough to sustain rent. Obviously right now the cost of living is going up astronomically. I moved to a city like Boston is not a cheap city by any means. And so I was getting offers or, or, you know, in interviews with people who were offering somewhere in that 40 to 50 range And with my student loans, like $50,000 of student loans, there's a certain type of lifestyle that I would like to lead, that including getting myself out of debt and being able to pay rent. And I wasn't necessarily in a position to turn down job offers at that time. But I was telling Gianna, I just had to make the decision that I know what the museum world has offered me in the past? And do I really want to keep subjecting myself to that type of environment again? And I know that's, we're going to continue this point, I think, throughout our conversation today. And it is something that's really hard, I think, for all of us to kind of come to terms with that when we, you know, we have been taught for so long to be grateful for any type of opportunity, which of course, I don't think any of us have been completely ungrateful for a type of opportunity, but it is really hard to shift that mindset into making a decision that works for you. Cause that's not really what we're taught in the arts. And I'm not sure about kind of other fields, maybe Sammy, you can kind of speak to that too. Like we are not taught to look for things that work for us. It's like, you need to be able to work for this type of set environment. So Audrey, I just appreciate you saying that as well. Like you are taking on these points and really honing in on, on what you need and want out of your life. And that's an okay thing to process whenever you're going through this. 
Yeah, I think that's great. And I just want to say, Bianca, I think you say it so well when you say just making a decision because that's people think of like, I don't know, wanting to get everything they want immediately when like it's kind of more about that's not usually how life works. Like it's like a, I don't know, you can decide what things are most important to you right now and find something, you know, and kind of stick with that. Mm-hmm. So just thought you could put that well. Mm-hmm. So Sammy, you're up. As we said earlier, you are new to the podcast. You've never been here before. So we were excited to have you answer all those rapid fire questions, but we do <laughs> want to dive in a little bit more into your background and your relationship with the arts. So if um, you'd be so kind to kind of speak to that and how you've chosen to keep art a part of your life um, and talk a little bit about like, what does that separation look like and how you um, kind of divide up your professional ties to the arts? Since I think all of us here will um, always have a kind of daily appreciation and love for it, but it's different when we're talking about um, time and business and your livelihood at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so background wise, I, for those of you who don't know, um, I met Gianna and Audrey in the studio art program, um, kind of in like the earlier years when we were in the more basic classes, um, trying to figure out what it is we wanted to focus on. So that's how I met them. Um, and then got really nervous about having to do a capstone show. So I changed my major right before senior year, um, as we do. Uh, But I also have always been interested in lots of different things. I was double majoring for a long time um, in psychology as well. So I was really interested in that, but knew I didn't want to go into like the, that branch of the medical, um, like pharmaceutical industries type of stuff. So Um, yeah, but so yeah, I ended up graduating, um, with a double, um, in studio and, um, human development and family science randomly. So ended up going to grad school right now, which I'm finishing up in a few weeks here. I'm getting my master's in social work. Um, and eventually, so I'll be doing therapy, um, which is super dope and I'm really excited. Um, but when it comes to how I've like chosen to incorporate being in such a separate industry and and field, so to speak, like I always just view it of like, how do I keep myself um, tied to the creative industry in some sense? Because that's always where I have made my friends, all four of us um, in like creative spaces, Um, which it's been really cool, I think, to not formally be a part of the art world to realize like how expansive that definition is of like what qualifies as a creative space. Um, For me, I have found a ton of my friends in the tattoo community. Um, So yeah, so it's been really interesting. So my first, like, I have to figure out a way to somehow incorporate this was definitely from like the social aspect. But as time has gone on, um, it's kind of evolved into similar even to what Bianca and Audrey were just speaking to of like making the decision. Like for me, um, instead of like making a formal career decision it was differentiating that that hierarchy of like what I know that I need and what's helpful and useful for me and um so for me it was a lot of like being creative and with that expansive definition of like what being creative looks like right like is one of my highest values that I hold um for myself and for my life so it was like how do I 
model my life in a very flexible way to be as closely aligned as possible with like that value that I have of creativity. I picked up on something you said earlier um, about also gravitating to the arts because you essentially vibe with the people in those spaces. And uh, the other day I was out with Theban and I walked into a gallery in downtown Tulsa and um, I, it was very empty. There was only a couple people in there and um, these two really lovely ladies were in there and we like instantly just kind of started talking and it was nice and also an odd friendly reminder about truly how incredibly lonely I am Mm-hmm. in relation to the arts and also how incredibly isolating it can be. And I don't know if you guys have felt that or if that's just a pandemic thing, but it was so funny and familiar to walk into a freaking stunning art show, but in an in, in empty room and just mm-hmm. be able to talk to like one person in there and yeah. like have a totally lovely conversation. And I actually exchanged numbers with this this woman who, by the way, wasn't even an artist. She was getting her doctorate and studies, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, what is that called? Anesthesia and just mm-hmm. has a love for the arts and has a friend for the arts. But it just also, I haven't been in those spaces in a while and kind of self-reflecting I know that I'm also have been isolating myself from those spaces and I've been distancing myself mm-hmm. from them um but also we have the incredible opportunity on the podcast to connect with people digitally uh but does it doesn't satisfy this crave for me um and how like truly I felt like so at not when we're all together, even virtually, but just when you're in it by yourself, or even if you're making a print at home, Sammy, I don't know how you, it, it feels, oh, like I have this creative outlet, but it, it's felt really lonely, like doing that art at home. I don't know how you guys have been feeling. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's dope, Jonah. I'm glad you were able to have that experience also. So I want to speak to that, but I think like, as I've, as I've stepped away and I think even, I mean, obviously like, like being, getting my master's in social work and like being in these spaces where it's just me and a bunch of therapists, like in class, you know, and like all that kind of stuff, like has, has very much expanded my vocabulary and, and given me the opportunity to be able to give language to things that necessarily before, like I, I might not have had, um, like words that felt true enough. Um, But I think like in the thing about that for me, right, is like no matter the art space that you're walking into, like whether it be like a show like that or when I'm hanging out with my friends, the tattoo and just being in their spaces that they've created, like they're, the common theme is like vulnerability and it's, it's automatic for the people that are sharing their art or have created the space or have anything like that. And, and so it automatically like gives, gives their something like this, this thing that is tangible that we can relate to because it's like, we know what all has gone into these different things. And it just automatically presents you with like the opportunity to like, get to know those people better because you're getting to see like what means something to other people even if they're not telling you like this is what's important to me this means something to me this holds a lot of value it's an unspoken opportunity for you to be able to like witness that and hold space for that yeah 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 I think so too um well kind of 
going off of that and talking about, you know, people's relationship with their, with their own art and also putting that into the world. I kind of want to open up this question for both Sammy and Audrey. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and how I try not to refer to anything I do in my life as a side hustle. Um, cause I think it's kind of like self-deprecating humor in regards to our pop talk or my art. Like if I pick up a pencil and I sketch something only one time that month, like I am still an artist and it's like hard to give that daily reminder. And so I'm curious about the things that you guys are doing. Sammy, you mentioned that you are starting to make art and prints and um, also do things on like totes and t-shirts. And then Audrey, if you want to talk about the creative projects you've been doing outside of your new marketing position. So who wants to go yeah. first? <laughs> Audrey, I would love to hear about your, just what you're doing with social media, I think is so interesting. And I don't know, you always just have that quality about you where you really let people into your space. Like Sammy was just kind of talking about what in whatever kind of project you're working on. And I think that that is something that I really just appreciate like from maybe like an outsider perspective, but that's something that I wish that I had maybe more of a capability of doing because I feel like you are just always so good about sharing a lot with other people. And you were talking to me a little bit ago too about how what you're doing with social media now, you have kind of reconnected with people that you maybe haven't talked to in a while. And even though social media has become kind of this, I don't know, maybe methodical part of our everyday lives. I think you're doing something really interesting and creative with it at the same time. So if you wanted to talk about that too, I would be interested. Yeah. I even tried to write some notes because I just have so many thoughts about social media and it's hard to narrow it down, you know, to, but I feel like based on the kind of the conversation that we've had so far, which is a lot about how like the everyday is really important in terms of like, that's all you have, first of all, is just like your daily life. And then creative people too. I think there's, a, and especially when you're young, there's so many seasons in which you find yourself that you might not, like making art all the time might not be as feasible as you thought. And that's due no through no fault of your own because like you're trying to work, you know, full-time or like you have a small enough space. Like I work from home full-time and the only bedroom that could be a studio room for me is where I work eight to five, Monday through Friday. So like, I don't really want to be in here, you know, for a time like outside of that to be able to work, you know, on other stuff. So for me, like social media is kind of a way right now where I can one be creative because it's so mobile, right? Like you can do it anywhere um, and not have to have like a, you know, a designated room for it. And I think that, I don't know, so many people are, it gets a really bad reputation, but I think social media is a tool and it's all about like how you use it. Um, I use it to be social and connect with people. Um, and, and that's how I view the purpose of the platform, you know, and to just like, I don't know, show people that like the everyday decisions that you make in your life, like do matter. Um, and it's been crazy because like those two things combined when you're using it to, to be social, but you're also like aware of your, the effect that you're having on other people and that people are watching you and they are observing you. And, you know, like at 10 o'clock at night, at the end of the day, when they're assessing their day, you know what I mean? Like they're looking at you, like if you take that stuff seriously. Um, 
it can really, I don't know, go far. Like I've just been very, I've met a lot of people for, I've made friends like through that solely through Instagram, like did not know them at all before. Um, and yeah, reconnected with a lot of people I haven't talked to in a while who have just like, you know, thank you so much for like being this kind of genuine. It's not even about like, I don't know, I'm going to get into a tangent, but just like being genuine and being authentic on social media doesn't have to just be like, I'm posting all these, you know, selfies with no makeup. Like, I feel like we can think a little bit more beyond that, you know, for what being genuine is. And I think people have a sense for, uh, can tell what that is and are like to be around that. So that's what I'll say, I guess. For me, I don't view it as a side hustle at all because my intention, like behind it, like why I'm like, making the time to do it. Right. And like why it's important to me, why I enjoy it, like has nothing to do with making money. Um, it's just something that I actually really enjoy doing and that I, I struggle like to slow down. Um, and as all of us know, like print is a, takes a long time. Like there is, there is no part of it that's like super quick. Um, I think, I don't view it as a side hustle due to like the intention behind it Um, because my intention is not like if I can make money off of it, that's dope. I don't know. Well, it's just so interesting. It is interesting. And this kind of leads me into like a kind of a really funny question that Bianca put in our document. So I feel as though I must just because also, um, as we've discussed, we all went to the same school the three of us were in the same program. And when you go to a smaller university, you do the pros of that is that you have the ability to form very unique and personal and loving relationships with your professors and your mentors. And we're very grateful that we know that some of those people are probably listening to this episode right now, have been our biggest advocates. Um, but I I kind of want to invite them into this conversation. Same. But like, yo, like what, what do you think about also, all four of us coming at this crossroads at this point and like mm-hmm. how not to give myself like a gold star or all of us a gold star, but we all were very successful in our program. I would, mm-hmm. we could all pick several professors out of a lineup. I feel as though, and they have written us great letters of recommendation. You know, we had people who were advocates for us who were on our side that were like, you're going to do great things. I feel like, I think it's okay to say that. Like, I feel like I, I have failed sometimes. I feel mm-hmm. like art pop talk isn't the only thing that I want to do. Like art is not what I'm doing full time. Like, and what does it say about like OSU? And they're like four failed art pros here who are critiquing this industry so much like what is your hot take (laughs) not to be the one that answers the question but this has been something that's just kind of been on my mind recently part of me wants to just have a talk with the OSU department of art and Gianna like just you were saying OSU is not a small school by any means OSU is a very large institution but our art department obviously was fairly small OSU is not you know, known for its art program by any means. So we understand that we did not go to a large art school. 
But at the same time, like echoing what you're saying, Gianna, all of us were very successful at what we did at OSU. And part of me going through this transition has been kind of upset with how that time at OSU took place. And it's hard not to be like, wow, did I make the wrong decision because I'm not doing this anymore? And is Art Pop Talk the only way that I'm staying connected to the arts? And is Art Pop Talk the only thing that is kind of worth the $50,000 of debt that I have from that institution? Like, I feel like I've kind of been grappling with all of these questions since kind of stemming or that are stemming from OSU because that is a decision that I made in the past to focus on art and art history. And from that point on, it feels weird, I guess. My hot take is I don't feel like we're failed. I, I It is a hot take. I don't think, like, I guess I didn't expect that, like, because I got this degree, then by the time I'm 25, my, like, exact perfect career was figured out from the, going into the program. I probably have some more, I mean, I just think college in general, like, the fact that we're making people even decide at 17 or 18, like, what they're going to study that's supposedly going to, like, you know, go with them for the rest of their life. Like that to me is the part that seems like a little ridiculous because like, yes, I majored in art, but like that was just because at that time when I was 18 and making a decision, like that felt like what I want, what I was choosing as my next step. And so in college, like that's where I wanted to put my youthful, you know, sponge absorbing years (laughs) to the arts because I know that I have, you know, uh, in a, um, affinity for the arts is going to be with me for my whole life. I don't know if I'm articulating this the best way, but like, I don't, didn't necessarily need for that to mean that like, then the whole rest of my life, the way that I'm pursuing art is showing up the exact same way the whole time. I'm really okay with like, I consider it, I guess the best way to put this is it was my decision to go kind of a different direction and to collect some other tools for what I wanted for my career. And I don't feel that I was pushed out like, because, like, I felt that I, I made this of my own accord. It wasn't anyone else's fault or, like, through no, you know, lack of training or through even, like, lack of opportunities even. Um, I'm just here because I want to be here at this point. Now, ask me again if then, you know, a few years down the line when I'm actually, like, making the next move for what I want, you know, if I still feel the same way, but at least at least how I feel right now. I think that's such a great mindset that we should really think about I don't know, in culture at large about kind of shifting towards. And I think that's the biggest problem. This might be like a reiteration from a few weeks ago, but changing fields is not that easy in practice. Like, again, you can make that decision. And I am so glad that I have made the decision to do so because I think I am in for a great, as Audrey put it, kind of like next phase of my life, I think that this is going to be really fantastic. But there's still a larger problem where I might feel ready for a change, but other institutions don't feel ready to accept me in that change. And so it it puts, I don't know, for me, it's been putting pressure like back to this, like maybe origin story. Like, why did I make this decision back then? Like it, what was, it was, something that existed in my heart and it it will always exist in my heart for me. Like I will never not love art history as much as it 
sucks sometimes and as much as we can get upset about it and critique it, but I love it and will always love it. But it's hard. It's been hard for me to kind of wrestle with such a a big decision. And maybe I have been kind of thinking about it in like, not that it's a right or wrong way, but Audrey, I like the way that you have described it as like, this is how I felt at this point in my life. And it is kind of ridiculous that I had to make this huge decision that that was going to impact every single other opportunity for me to kind of shift careers down the line. But I, I like the way that you're also thinking about it and are looking to how you can navigate it and how you can make those new decisions going forward too. Um, Sammy, do you want to jump in? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Audrey, not a hot take at all. Cause I couldn't agree more. Um, I think I'll, I'll have an even more like, I don't know, take it a step further and maybe this is a hot take, but I feel like all, like all of us being at the, at the point that it is, and it is laughable, you know, like, I'm sure everybody at some point reaches some similar, you know, experience such as this. However, like with the four of us coming out of like the same program, the same department, all of these things, like I think it only speaks to our success, right? Because it's like all of all of the dissatisfaction or frustration or exhaustion or like whatever you want to label it that it is that like we're all feeling like this this internal like dialogue and and battle that Bianca's speaking to of like of reflection essentially, um, of just like the past decisions we've made and, and kind of how we're, um, evolving as humans, as professionals, as all of these things. Like, I think all that, all that does really when we, if we had to like, you know, boil it down to like its bare bones and kind of examine it is, is like, it speaks to our desire to like, want to be doing more and to want to be doing all of these things. And I think like, that's the point, right? Like that, you're not supposed to be wanting to do what you did for your capstone for the rest of your life. Like as if that's the only body of work that you can create from now on, as if everything has to like go along with that and be an expansion of that work. Like that's, um, yeah, like these, these ideas that were handed a, that Audrey is speaking to like is, I don't know, the bit that I love that we're all challenging. Um, and I think, where I think it's really beautiful. I don't know that we like all happen to be challenging it at the same time. That might bring us to this last kind of talking point that I want to work through with you guys. I think it kind of encompasses, I don't know, maybe all of the points that we've been talking about today. And I want to talk about the Kim Kardashian controversy that uh, died out because she did post a picture of Pete Davidson on her grid, and it was very strategic in the way that this played out. But <laughs> if you if you don't know, a few weeks back, Kim Kardashian um, was doing a variety interview with her family on the upcoming Hulu series, The Kardashians, and she had this quote that was, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I won't speak to this, but I think... I understand where different people are coming from on this side of the argument and Sammy is laughing, but I think like for the purposes of this discussion, it's an interesting point to kind of hone in on. But the quote from Kim said, quote, I have the best advice for women in business. Get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. And then in the clip, you just see Courtney going, so true. (laughs) And so I want to maybe kind of wrap up with some thoughts about 
maybe this quote kind of speaks to that culture that we keep kind of coming back to where you're on this path and you have to work hard and you know what, like if you don't work hard, you're just going to fail. And I also, Emmanuel Acho, who's a PJAM that we love here on APG, but he's coming out with a new book and he was on CBS the other day talking about failure too. And he was like, you didn't fail if you fell, like you, you just get back up and that's completely fine. So I think I'm kind of working through this idea that like, you're not a failed art historian, like you didn't fail college, you didn't fail your track, you're just at a turning point. And so I think I'd like to hear some of your thoughts. I know, Sammy, you probably have a lot, (laughs) maybe a lot to say about this too, about this kind of persistent idea about working hard and failure too, and how we can kind of navigate getting out of that. And just, I know it it might be a stereotypical, stereotypical example, but just like getting back up again and and going on. Y'all know I love the Kardashians and this was one of those moments. I mean, they've done a lot of things as we know, and I I am a loyal fan and friend and follower as we know, but this was one of those things she said it and I was like, I'll take into factor all of the things that I know there that are in play, right? Like you're what, 41 at this Mm -hmm. point? Like, I am not 41. So also like I, all of the famous things aside, like generationally, there is some differences that like (laughs) she has been alive during different parts of American history that I have not. So I'm like, I'm trying to give her every benefit of the doubt and it's really (laughs) hard for me, but I'm still trying. (laughs) So let, let that be known to the people. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it is, interesting I think you know I think we have noticed a lot of like this mentality like not that anyone was unaware um Mm -hmm. of generational differences on um maybe like approach to professional careers or um really anything but like the past three years as we know have made it undeniable um Mm -hmm. with all of this and when we're speaking kind of just to about um I guess like work ethic and I think that the the challenging it, right, is what you were speaking mm-hmm. to and like that that is hard because we weren't taught that there is multiple ways to do something, right? Mm-hmm. It's just this efficiency mindset of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess there are numerous ways, but like this is the most efficient, like this is the easiest way, is the fastest way. So like this is the way you should do it, right? And I think that's how we're like presented with a lot of different things. Um So of course we get to this point in our lives and all of us are like, oh, there are all of these other options that I knew existed, but that Mm -hmm. maybe I didn't know like I could choose or Mm do or before, like maybe they Mm -hmm. didn't feel as accessible before or even just thinking about, you know, like Kim being like, no one wants to work these days, like, Mm -hmm. like no one wants to work hard and like all that kind of stuff, like hard work looks so different dependent upon like my like grind and my hard work right now like being in full-time grad school with an internship and all that kind of stuff like working my ass off Mm -hmm. looks so different than you're working your ass off when you were trying to even find jobs and get interviews and all these things and like same with Gianna as you've been uh, like accustoming to your new position you know what I mean and like working your ass off to like understand what your role is, how you're playing a part, like even the organization that you're working for, like how the system works. And like, same with Audrey as Audrey's like 
have having like entered this new field and figuring out all these things. So I think it's like when something like that is said, right? Of like nobody wants to like work hard and all these kind of things. Just like to me, what I hear, I'm just like, how sad is that? That like people really have this perception that like there is this one one like definition of mm-hmm. this thing and like you either are or you aren't like how close-minded like how limited I think it's interesting hot take I am obviously still gonna watch I'm it's gonna be like the boost of serotonin that I am so desperately wishing for so like a month away not even that anymore yeah gonna watch but <laughs> it was a hot take when she said it I was like god damn it Kim yeah I mean we're always gonna get that with them so I think that's I just know. part of living with people like that in our world it's true it's just going to be never ending and I've been hearing stuff about you know there there's a possibility she's talking about people in kind of the influencer Hollywood industry you know like maybe people have this perception that being an influencer is easier than it looks like all you have to do is kind of promote yourself on TikTok or whatever and it's as easy as pie but you actually have to that is a line of work. And so, you know, I can understand if she's talking about people in her particular interest industry, but to your point, Simi, like how limiting is that too in the whole diversity of kind of the entertainment and media fields? And not only that, I mean, we, we know Kim works hard. We, we know that she's a hard worker. She has a fuck ton of privileges, yeah, obviously, but she's, you know, like she's diversifying her interests. Like uh-huh. she's becoming a lawyer, you know? Like It reminds me of kind of like the, in that sense, I think what Kim K is, is saying like makes sense, right? Because like content creating and all that kind of stuff, like I don't do it. Um, as we all know, I, I am always in hibernation mode on social media. Other, I'm a loyal liker, but I'm not going to post. That's how I feel. But it's like, like content creating like is hard like that it takes so a long time of time and mm-hmm. resources and energy and like strategic planning and all yeah. these different things so it's like people don't think things like that are hard mm-hmm. um however you know that this is when when I'm like you know Kimmy love you girl don't think you are maybe thinking about you know, the human population as a whole, or even like yeah. any type of niche, anything like who knows, or what. just anything outside of your, you wow. know, billionaire so, bubble. Yes. Like, you know, Audrey yeah. and Gianna, do you have any other points you want to jump in here and make? Um, Sammy, I think you hit on pretty much everything I would have said there. Um, I, to me, it just also is like, so hilarious that like, What's funny to me about the statement like that is that like the best advice. Okay. So the number one, if we were going to boil it all down, what we're boiling it down to is the working part. Like to me that, and kind of like what we've been talking about this whole time to me, everything, everything in your life, if you're going to have success comes from um, how well, you know, yourself and what you are trying to get, like, what are you working for in the first place anyway? Like, where are you trying to get to? So like, I don't know. I just like laugh at something like that a little bit because I'm like, it's just so ridiculous to me. Like you can't, you can't get up and work until you've done a lot of internal or introspection on yourself to see like where you want to get to in the first place anyway. So if I was going to boil down, you know, what the best advice for women in business would be, it would be to like 
get to know yourself as well as you can before you start doing whatever you're trying to do. That's my counter argument. Yeah. Yeah. At Kim Kardashian. (laughs) You know, I think speaking for myself as someone who's not a loyal stan of the Kardashians, I have just come to the conclusion that everything that they do is so calculative and you can't possibly think that someone with that level of influence and also intellect is that dumb to say something like that. Um, It was a choice and she knew exactly what she was saying. The Kardashians have not been as destructive to someone like myself, who is like a middle-class white woman, but as far as like mental health and what they do in the pop culture scene, it is really hard for me to consume. So I just particularly kind of stay away from it. But even with this conversation and anytime we talk about the Kardashians, just please take it with a grain of salt that that didn't have to be put into the world. And it was, it's calculative and we are here doing exactly what they wanted to do, which is to talk about them. Um, So on that note, that's my two cents. And I think that we should take a little break. And when we come back, we are going to do pits and peaks. segment here to close the episode was inspired by our guest Audrey, the superstar on social media who is doing highs and lows of the week. And it reminded me when I was, you know, drafting up the episode and thinking about the uh, Kim Kardashian comment that in Keeping Up with the Kardashians on the show, you often see them doing pits and peaks whenever they are on their, uh, you know, lavish vacations and they all go around their table and talk about, you know, the pit and peak of of the trip. So I thought, um, you know, in honor of that question and talking point we had and then thinking about Audrey's Instagram, I want to talk about some pits and peaks to close the episode. You can do maybe a pit and peak higher low of the week, or maybe a pit and peak of this transitional time that we've been talking about. Like what is, what are the highs and lows that you've experienced about kind of leaving the arts or maybe leaving is the wrong word, but just like navigating that transition period that we're all going through. So Gianna, do you want to start? Yeah. Um, I guess, Well, you know, I did an art thing this weekend, which was great. I moseyed my way um, into a gallery and um, which I had actually shown with this artist before. So that was um, just kind of like a happy accident, happy surprise to go into a gallery because, um, yeah, I think I have just been like distancing myself myself from those spaces. Um, So that was good. I think as far as like pits go, And speaking of that isolation, I can think of several things that are happening that I have actively chosen to isolate myself from because mentally I 
you know, and like we were just talking about, like navigating like work and these other new roles. And I know that I need to focus on that right now because that's what I signed myself up for. But that doesn't mean that it's easy to like bear witness to these other super cool things that are happening. Like I've specifically been avoiding momentum this year. I've been specifically avoiding an amazing project that's in its second year of uh, conception, which is the Sunny Days Mural Fest in Oklahoma City. Just so many amazing things that are happening that I just can't be privy to right now or see it because I don't want to be a bitter woman and I want to be the biggest cheerleader for these people, even though these people have no idea like who I am and that's fine. But um, I don't want to leave a sour taste in my mouth for my reason, for my mental health, because I want to put out good energy in the world. But I feel like it's okay to say that like, it is also like really hard when you see other people like somehow being able to do the things that you want to do and like it's okay because like you're just not there and the average 24 Jesus Christ year old woman is not going through the you know physical health conditions that I am going through too and just starting to get to a point where like I'm also finally to finally able to address that with art too so I think Peaks being, I went into an art gallery, but Pitts still being, um, you know, I am also isolating myself actively from those things too. So that's a very open and honest Pits and Peaks from Gianna Martucci Fink. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Gianna though, you're, thank you for sharing because again, it's a, it's something that I think a lot of other people are feeling as well. And it's, and it's hard to see other people doing the thing that you had kind of originally for so long held this mindset in your mind. Like it's not because you can't do it. It That's not the reason, but there are just these other things going on. And I think it's really great to be able to recognize that and, and talk about it and work through it, which is, you know, kind of the point of, of all these conversations. So Audrey, do you want to go next? Our highs and lows queen. I can go next. I would say, obviously I'll start with pit so I end on a peak um I would say the low point is maybe a little bit like I don't have people I certainly enjoy all of the people I work with right now we get along great it's a great environment I'm really happy with um the workplace that I'm at but it's not quite the same in terms of like I had like best friends you know in my previous job or like people who I worked with that ended up kind of crossing over lines to like, they're really good friends of mine now. Um, and just like, I don't know, we could just like talk about a lot of the same, th- sometimes it would be like, we took a break from work to have like a really deep conversation about life, like in the middle of the work day, like that never happens, you know, now. So I think just kind of those, like having those like-minded people really near and dear is, um, I miss it like a little bit, but also just part of that's like a new, at any new job, it takes a while to build up relationships. So, you know, it might not be that way forever. That's at least just kind of how I am right now. And then peak of that, I have a lot more on that end. I'm not going to lie. Um, number one is that I have only where I've been at my new job for almost five months and I have only worked in the evening like two or three times for like an hour wrapping up a presentation, you know, like, and I used to be, it was like on average two to three times a week, I would have like evening or weekend commitments. So that is one really big peak. Um, I thought I had another one, but I'll just go with that. That'll that's submission in final answer. (laughs) 
We love it. We love it. Um, maybe I'll go next. Um, let's see. Pit, I feel like we all saw me in the pit. I go, we heard on APG four weeks ago, Bianca living very much in the pit. And I think it was just, you know, I talked about how it was, it was, this transition was really hard and I was being really hard on myself. Um, but I'm glad that we talked about it and I'm thankful for you guys for talking me through it over the course of the past few months and being here today. I, I don't start my new job until April 4th. So I'm still like existing, like on the trek up to the peak, maybe like we're still on the hike a little bit here, but I have been um, meeting with my coworkers already a little bit, which has been really nice. I'm kind of easing my way into the new team that I'll be on. And I just feel, I think the peak thus far, having not started this new phase yet is just still feeling really appreciated by a group of people that as I was going through the interview process, I, I was not feeling my, my background was appreciated whatsoever or that I was just as, and like, I need to stop doing that. Like my background is a part of me too. So I think that I was not feeling appreciated, but having gone into a few little work happy hours and meetings and getting, I don't know, acquainted with the new space that I'm going to be in, it is kind of that mindset of like, you are you and you are valuable and you are going to bring so much to the team. And the fact that they have been multiple times verbally saying that to me, like these little affirmations about you have the package that we need that will help us succeed has been an incredible feeling so far. So um, yeah, Uh, Sammy, do you want to wrap it up for us? Yeah, sure. Um, I, so for my pit, I think it's, mine would definitely be like a culmination of what everyone has said so far. Um, Just like a combination of all of it. Like, I think definitely what Gianna was speaking to, like the, the isolative factors um, at play of like having this be such a big part of like who you are, um, like percentage wise, but not necessarily like being able to access it all the time in the way that you're wanting. Um, like whether that be due to like external or internal things. Um, so I think that's definitely hard sometimes. Like I, from my like departure from the art world, if you will. Like, I think um, it's been really sobering to fully recognize like how hard on myself I am about a lot of the things in that category. Um, Recognizing that, right? Like that like sobering, like feeling of that is definitely a pit, but related to that, like I think the peak is, I don't know. I've gotten a lot better at extending myself like a lot of grace um, and just like fluidity within all of the different things. Um, So that's definitely a peak, I think, as well. Like I I put a lot more value in even things like this, right? Like getting this time with y'all and and all of that, because I know um, it's not something I get to access as much as I would like in my like ideal version of my life. I love it. Thank you guys so much for being here. I just, I always feel better after talking to you if that wasn't apparent. Um, it's the truth. And uh, I'm very grateful for you guys in my life, but also having you 
on our show. And uh, I hope that all of the listeners really continued to resonate with this conversation. And thank you guys for, for talking about your experiences and being so vulnerable. So um, I hope that we get a lot more responses from you guys. Always feel free to um, reach out. We will link Sammy's Instagram and Audrey's Instagram um, for you guys. Always email us at artpoptalk at gmail.com. Follow us at artpoptalk. And with that, we'll talk to you on Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Art Pop Talk's executive producers are me, Bianca Martucci-Fink. And me, Gianna Martucci-Fink. Music and sounds are by Josh Turner, and photography is by Adrian Turner. And our graphic designer is Sid Hammond.